Hello, everybody. Thanks for checking out the Direct Input Podcast. Today is Monday, September 10th in the year 2018. We are at the Spencer Home Studio, and I'm joined tonight by Mr. Matthew Flynn, comedian extraordinaire. How you doing, sir? I'm, I'm, doing, I'm, I'm doing well at the moment. Yeah. yeah. Yeah? Just well? Not spectacular? Not good? Not fucking... Like, I'm, I'm coping. I'm doing, I'm doing yeah. all right. Yeah, so... Is it true that many comedians are in a constant state of, of, of coping, so to say? Um, that's why here I don't know because I feel like I don't know. I feel like a lot of people. Uh, am I? At the, am I not? Oh, you were giving me a face like I was. No, I'm just making that. No, I'm sorry. Uh, the listeners can't see the face. Um, my fucking crooked fucking teeth just so, mangled. I, I that's probably true, but I feel like especially more so now, and it goes it's like a generalization for. Too many people who aren't just comics, just anyone with just over like fetishizing depression to the point where anyone who's actually depressed is overlooked so that someone else can have a status update about, oh, look, oh, I was really anxious today and so I did nothing. But they're not necessarily that. They just really, really want to have these psychological problems. Mm. And then there are people who legitimately have them. I don't want to downplay that, but... You know, I watched a great documentary on Gary Shandling recently. It was on HBO. And they talk at pretty much at length about how that mother, like that guy basically mm-hmm. was like the pioneer of that self-deprecation uh, of the modern age where it started with him just talking about not being able to get a date and then of course his mother and you know a variety of fucking things. And it was like Almost like the alternative scene, I think. Was that what they called the alternative scene? Like in the mid-90s, like the Jerry Seinfelds and all of them? Um, I don't think Jerry Seinfeld would be considered, would have ever been considered the alt. I think like probably like the earliest person who would have been maybe considered an influence on what was labeled the alternative to mainstream at the moment would have been like Kevin Meany. And then that went into stuff like the Mr. Show guys. and Who the fuck's Kevin so Meany? Was, so, you don't know? Or no, you, I'm a noob. Um... Well, he's unfortunately dead now, but he uh, he used to be uh, one of his like famous lines was like, "I'm gonna put on my big pants." I'm messing up his joke, but uh, you know, so put on his big pants. He'd he'd wear a red coat. He'd usually wear like a red uh, red dress coat. Uh, have a little bow tie on. He was on Doctor Katz a ton. Um, oh, he was yeah. in the Broadway version of Hairspray, where he played the character originally played by Divine, then then later John Travolta played in that movie, um, but. He would, of, he would, a little he, disappointing, don't you think, that John Travolta came in on the John Waters' work? Yeah, but if you watch it, it's definitely... Um, I don't know. I, I never saw the Broadway version. I never, I've never seen the live musical version of it, so I don't know how similar the newer movie was, but the newer movie lacked all the kind of like social commentary intensity of the original. Like I expected it to not be as like John Waters' like dirty, right. but it lacked all of like the things that made it a statement movie mm-hmm. but um but yeah kevin kevin meany would do stuff like um during like the comedy boom he'd be like on the sidewalk with like camera can't see how the audience inside is responding and someone would just be filming him while he's messing with people out on the street and trying to create bits in you know that environment while the, his actual audience is just inside watching a television that's not great. not knowing if any of his stuff is hitting. Mm-hmm. So it's sort of like this, like obscure. It's not really obscure, but it's like, uh, well, you said alternative. It's like sort of this weird vacuum of a fucking 
a void of an audience and it's just it's more like art for the sake of art so to say yeah but i think it was like i don't know i feel real pretentious talking about anything but um don't feel pretentious but it, it, i don't know it was definitely it was definitely a thing where it's like anything that was even like slightly askew from what people were used to yeah. then they were like oh wow that's that's really edgy even if it even if it wasn't necessarily doesn't mean it was yeah. bad but maybe it really wasn't that far from the expected thing I mean, what is comedy, though? That's how that the documentary on CNN, I actually like these CNN documentaries. They're pretty good. But they got Rob Reiner in like, the first morning. He's like, yeah, what is comedy? What, what is comedy? And it's, it's a fucking good question to ask because I don't even know the answer. What I've come to sort of like uh, take out of this whole thing is that comedy is sort of like, it's a sense. It really is a sense. You got your fucking vision. You got your fucking, uh, you got your fucking um, ears, your nose, your mouth. You know, all that stuff, right? Fucking, yeah. so your senses, right? You're touching mm-hmm. shit, you feel it. But comedy, it's the sense of humor. It's, it's, and humor in the end is sort of like this weird abstract fucking intellectual fucking sort of fucking uh, contradiction or whatever you want to call it. And ultimately, I don't know. I just think it's like absurd, which is like a weird way to put it. But like, that's to me is what's funny is like the absurd. Like, it's not supposed to be that way, and it should be laughed at. The satirical fucking charm of fucking nature, you know? Yeah. Like, fucking, it's one of the oldest things going on, like, back in the Greeks, right? They had, ampi- like, that's like, theaters were devoted, not just to plays, a lot of production doing plays, but they would have fucking comedians and shit. Every, every fucking king had a fucking joker or a jester or whatever you want to call it, right? Uh, I mean, I don't know if everyone had one. I mean, cartoons would definitely lead me to believe that I'm told that they all had jesters. I don't know if they did. Well, I think cartoon- I haven't researched any of this. <laughs> well, cartoons, though, it's a good point, though, because cartoons is like the earliest fucking con- like evidence to call me in America is fucking cartoons of, of us making fun of politicians. Political cartoons was fucking like the very, very root of it. Which is kind of interesting with Trump, because he was freaking out about fucking, you know, oh, Saturday Night Live's making fun of me more than any mother president. This is so unfair. Oh. I have one thing with, like, the Trump stuff. Like, I don't really want to see people impersonate him. I don't want to see people talk about how he says silly things. I don't really want satire about him. I just want people to lash out. Really? Because <laughs> um, I don't really see the point in trying to be funny about him. What Anymore, the- like it, it's just too many people are just like, oh, isn't it funny? Like they did this during the Bush years too, where they were like, isn't it funny how this garbage human being said something wrong or said something in like an awkward fashion, but he totally is fucking up so many people's lives. Isn't that funny how he, he talks, talks wrong? So you, how do you <laughs> feel about John Stewart's Daily Show? Was, well, you know? it's not even on anymore. Yeah, but I mean, that, <laughs> that's what it was back then, bro. It was no, 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 no. I mean, I, I, I get, but. That wasn't all just, like, some, some of that, especially later years, John Stewart, like, when he was doing political stuff, it was more anger-pointed, driven, and not just, like, isn't it silly how? Right. I thought early Daily Show was more, like, media critique. Oh, definitely. You know, like, they could, they could show you six different broadcasts all playing the same script. And media this year recently, they had a story. They were like, oh, there's that Republican network, the Sinclair, right? Yeah. They piped in the same, like, opening on, like, a hundred different broadcasts. Yeah, they showed, like, a bunch of different, like, uh, different local news stations all with the same script, where it was verbatim the same, not just the same story. Oh, yeah. Um, 
but I don't which which I don't know. I appreciate some of some of that stuff. I just don't like. It just seems like may, and maybe it's because of like social media. Too many people are able to make the same joke. So I've heard too many people call him Cheeto when I'd rather them just call him by his name and say something mean. Where, yeah. where it's like, so it's it's lost the it's just become this kind of like, like cutesy names that people are calling him. And they're not like even insults that dig. Oh yeah. And I'm like, hey, he deserve he deserves to be cut like words that like hurt him, and that's not happening. It's crazy <laughs> though that like uh, well this week in the internet, it's all about the Nike meme because Colin Kaepernick gets announced as the. Uh, as the face of their fucking new campaign or whatever, but there's like some new official fucking campaign that just came out, and now everybody's like, "Hey, sacrifice yourself or whatever the fuck it is." It's the same fucking shit though, and I don't think it's really fucking. No, it's this. It's this Dadaism that people, that's lost on people that they don't where they don't get that it's Dada. They what do you mean Dada? What is like the Dadaism it. movement was like world. Uh, I might be wrong about time period, but excuse me. Yeah. I believe it came out like uh, during the World War One period. And it would be art where it didn't necessarily have, like, a specific uh, statement that it was making. Like, its main thing was just to make you go, what, why? Like, I mean, there's more to it than that, but that was the basis of it. It was, like, art that would be like, what, why? So, like, we have, like, with memes, like, you know, there was the, the frog thing on a bicycle unicycle thing that everyone did that just had, like, sli- a slightly different word on it. And people kept, like spinning it and spinning it and spinning it it wasn't interesting anymore and it wasn't amusing anymore but yet people kept like pushing it out there because they were like oh we were told to we're all told to like the same thing do the same thing and then at some point they all decided like oh we're not we're not supposed to do that one anymore now we're supposed to do this one and now it's the nike one where it's a different black and white photo of like from you know, a Rocky or something more offensive or something less offensive from pop culture and that person's face or that character's face. And then like one. Oh yeah. Variation line. It's the same, it's the same thing, but it's like the, it just doesn't seem like people get why they're doing it. And they're just like, Oh, it's funny. Cause we were told it's funny, even though we're not laughing. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> but we were told we were told that this was clever, so it must be clever. Um, I made a I made a meme, but I didn't put it out. Um, but I made it last summer. No, I, yeah, I made it a while ago. But uh, I thought it was, it was amusing, but I also thought it would upset more people than was worth it. But it was um, you know the the kid who wanted to be like a tugboat sail, sailor and he killed oh. him, killed himself. No. The, te- the texting, the texting trial with the the girl who was a teen at the time. Ah, and, then she wasn't. Uh, and there's yes. more to that story, and we're not going to yes. talk about the whole like depths of the story and stuff. Okay. But um, I had a, I took a photo of um, that 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 woman in the courtroom, and then just had uh, the text over it was just a, a guilty of being mean to a fuckboy. Which seemed, I was using relevant language of today, a fuckboy, but. Sure. But, you know, people wouldn't find that humorous, but yet they'll still make 9-11 jokes. Really? Were you trying to be humorous, or were you trying to make a statement about fucking... No, I was more... I was more. Ma- I was really... I, was, I mean, I was trying to slightly be humorous, but I was more making a comment on the fact that if you really looked at what they did with the trial... Yeah. That person didn't necessarily bully them to death, because they had, like... A long period, a much longer period of emails and phone calls and texts, where the person told them not to kill themselves. Then you have two weeks where they were like, "Ah, fuck it, do it." 
Really? Which seems like the natural thing for people to become calloused over time and then start saying the wrong mean thing. True. But what is that, like some sort of fucked up reverse psychology on her part where she's just trying to fucking... Well, I don't know. They, I, they also said that she had other psychological things going on with her at the time, yeah. and then he did. But they're also teenagers, so teenagers. it's like... Yeah. So it's like, you think of yourself as a teenager. You probably said a lot of fucked up stuff that at the time you just did not think about after you said it. Right. That if you were to analyze now, you'd be like, that's not cool that people live with those thoughts and I, say those things. I don't think anybody understands. But, 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 uh, you, but you're a teen, so it's like you... Yeah. The intent is not necessarily how mean those words were. Yeah, because ultimately, you know, fucking, you understand that the decisions that you make then are going to fucking come at you fucking 10, 20 years later. Yeah. You know? It's all sorts of shit like that. But, I don't know. Fuck. That was a fucked up case. Fucking, that was, uh, uh, no, that was no, a big no, story. No, national de- story. No, it definitely, it definitely is. And I think the person showed that they felt, like, bad. But ultimately, how cu- culpable yeah. were they really? Well, Like, as opposed to just they were, but they dude, were mean and insensitive, but... It's a new corner <sighs> of law. That is a new corner of law where you have fucking emails, you have text messages. It's not a conversation. It's, it, like, there's so much taken more at jest. You know, that's probably why I do the fucking podcast. Yeah. Half the shit I would fucking say on this and be put on paper looks fucking horrific. Well, the, but, you yeah. know? <laughs> but, you know, in the context of the emotion of what it is, you know, what it, you know, there's too, there's too much there in the contents. And that's, you know, there's something about language and comedy, I think, that kind of comes no, out with this, like, higher intelligence, this higher... Like it's a sense of humor. It's this fucking intelligence that fucking is not yeah. necessarily a, a quiet. You know. Yeah, I'm not saying I'm there as a performer, but the stuff that I generally like lean towards is the stuff that um, seems like it's coming from someone who's really had experiences as opposed to just opinions, and so that's really. Um, shaping the narrative of how they ha- how they choose to put out their jokes or or write their comic book or you know whatever they do mm-hmm. as opposed to someone who's just solely using the language of whatever's hip at the moment but maybe they don't have any real experiences with anything because they've lived in such a vacuum where sure. it's like just their family just their small group of friends uh just their collective punk house if they lived in that but no like mingling with the rest of the world or getting information outside of what's been handed to them by people who are also in that vacuum it's crazy how much information we have access to and put out but we're still like incredibly hyper fucking isolated partially due to the fucking cyber fucking connection you know that cyber kinetic fucking community that fucking you know everybody has their fucking id fucking stored in nowadays you know like a hard drive it's crazy but you get to go up there and fucking make fun of shit like this. And it I don't, fucking intrigues I don't know, me. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if I always necessarily make fun of stuff. I get critiqued by certain people, which it's almost, I almost kind of fall into, because um, I've seen these articles lately where um, uh, they critique like people like Hannah Gatsby and W. Kamal Bell for having these like very serious specials that they labeled comedy specials, but they were like, oh, but they're so serious. And so people wrote like articles, mostly focusing on like Hannah Gatsby's Nanette, where they were like, you know, can you can it be comedy and unfunny? And then they like kind of completely like wash over the fact that this person had funny jokes in the special on top of talking about sad shit and intense shit. So it was like, 
they're the whole thing the ultimate thing is like people want to get to this like comedy purist thing where it's just like you can only have jokes where the setup and the punchline and every minute and moment and second of your thing the intent is to get a laugh right whereas like i prefer stuff where it's like you've got like the buildup of other stuff and other thoughts that might only be interesting sure uh, but aren't necessarily amusing right and then maybe there's like some phrasings that might tickle people and then there's like a joke right like that seems more interesting and engaging to me like than just hearing something that just seems like I'm watching a machine just go like blah, 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 blah. granted like there are people who do that who are amazing like Stephen Wright but yeah a lot of a, but but a lot of people are seem very like uninspired but yet they got these hype machines behind them <laughs> well dude yeah it's fucking it's tough to get up there and just fucking talk like in public let alone for fucking sustained fucking periods of time oh no fucking 30 minutes definitely <laughs> well yeah 30 minutes an hour and i mean uh, because i do more kind of like out of the ordinary rooms i'm not doing comedy specific rooms i i'm kind of given a little bit more freedom than other people at my level of notoriety which is not very well known at all uh, where I can do really long sets sure. because I'm in an environment where that can be allowed and tolerated. Whereas if I was just solely in comedy clubs because of the fact that I'm not really known, I don't necessarily have a real fan base fan base. I'd probably only be allowed to do like five to 10. And then maybe if I'm lucky, get to do 15. But like, because I'm doing, more DIY spaces and punk venues and metal like venues. I, I get, I, if I want to, if I feel like it, I can do 40 minutes or I can do an hour. It's not necessarily going to be good, but I can f force the audience to listen to that. Fucking balls, kid. <laughs> Got balls. It's like talking in front of people is like the number one fear of like everybody or some shit. <laughs> I yeah. don't know the statistic, but like it's a huge thing. And for you to go up there and encourage people to laugh at you, and fucking, if you don't do that, if you don't get that reaction, fuck. Like, I don't know, dude. It's sort of like one of those things. It's not the same as playing at a show and nobody shows up and nobody's clapping in between, you know? Like, fucking, like... Well, yeah, yeah. If no one shows up, you can at least go like, oh, well, no one knows who we are. Yeah. No, no one cares. No one knows we exist. But then, but also, like, you have the... I mean, you have the benefit of if an audience doesn't like you with music, at least, of... You could stare at the floor and just focus entirely on like the sounds your instrument's making. I imagine. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you you get lost I, I mean, noise, probably yeah. if you're probably if you're doing too many shows, like a long sure. tour, you probably couldn't feel cool with that. Or if for I too many, if, if the audience just hates you or there's no one there every night. Yeah. But. Or if like you know, it's like fuck, you're not selling albums here, so I'm not gonna fucking go there. But you know, I know yeah. I'm wanted there, and I'll go there. You know, it's that sort of thing. Yeah, but I I usually I don't know I. I set myself up where I'm forcing myself on other people's audience bases because I'll produce a lot of my own stuff. So it's like I've, you know, did a small tour with Rick Shapiro. I've done shows with Alice Bag. Um, and I pick a lot of people who aren't necessarily comedy specific is what they're known for. But I'll have them on my shows tell stories that there's humor in because anyone who's had experiences, as long as they're interesting, maybe they wouldn't be able to do that multiple times. But they could probably be engaging and say some funny, amusing things for a period. And people like Lydia Lunch and stuff like that. And then just subject myself to their audience, which is different because, you know, they have a different built-in audience. So they, I could easily have that be a worse experience than just complete strangers who don't know anything about anyone and just came for the concept of comedy. Sure, sure. <laughs> 
But you've watched primarily like Worcester County and stuff. A lot more um, than that. Worcester, but like I've toured, I've toured a little bit too. Like as far as like you know, like Pittsburgh and done stuff in New York and uh, Maine and stuff. Just um, I've gone the rougher route of. Uh, mostly just because I work a day job and want to survive and then decided I'd rather be a part of things that I'd want to go to than do things just because those are the hoops they tell you to jump through in order to get a local gig as a paid opener. So it's both been like, I don't know, good and terrible of me to do it that way. So I've, you know, I've I've traveled a little bit and toured outside of like Worcester. But yeah, Worcester, I do shows at because it's the closest city i'm i live near and i don't know it's fun i even it's harder to, it takes more work to get people to show up to the shows than if i do one in boston but it's more fun because the audiences that come seem to be more about wanting to yeah they want to see there. see something interesting as opposed to sure. being like well we were told jokes are this way and you brought us someone who's talking about how they were sued by the department of defense and we don't think that's funny <laughs> <laughs> but that's uh, but you but, gotta hustle when you're a comedian out here it's not like you can just fucking take the tea to the fucking you know local open mic with you know all these well, other drunk I mean, dudes and well stuff. i mean you could and people do yeah. but um and i go to open mics and stuff it's just it's just an issue of if i if i put my more of my focus or if i had put more of my focus on just going to the Boston province area open mics in theory, not necessarily because they might still hate who I am, but in theory, I'd probably already be booked on those shows where they have like 12 people. I'll do two to five minutes at like the area comedy clubs or comedy nights simply because I was jumping through the hoops and they were like, well, this is a familiar face that lasted more than five months. So now we're going to let him do this. And then Pay your dues and all that. Yeah, but it's also a thing where it's like you have to have the luxury of living close enough to those places to have the time. Sure. Because if you're trying or you have a job where you're like, okay, I only work during the day. Right. But if you work a second shift job or you work graveyard, then you those things aren't as available to you. Oh, so yeah. So then it's like just make your own opportunities that ultimately become more – like you have to take bigger financial risks to make them happen, but they're they're be- they're usually more enjoyable. Show, oh yeah, show, sure. shows yeah. to shows to be a part of and shows to do than if I if I was on other people's shows. But like the last show that I was booked on that wasn't something I produced was, um, it was like I was I was on, it was like a noise bands put me on there really? and the one I went on after this person you they had a cheese grater. That they put a that they soldered a mic inside of, which really added nothing as far as <laughs> amplification or sound. And they were on stage, and they had put like um, they put a sponge uh, to cover their their genitals so that they could grate this sponge with the really? where their genitals would be. That but that but funny. that but then they took the then they took the cheese grater and were just grating their knuckles, <sighs> so there was just like it. blood and a little bit of skin. Oh. And then I went up. After I, I went up after that, and Dude, I thought it was really make me laugh. Well, no, they didn't even care about that. They were all like bummed out by me when I was like, "You should be bummed out by this person's 
need to hurt themselves to get validation. <laughs> like, not me. <laughs> Was that what it turned into? Yeah, yeah, they're really bummed out at my like at my my set, and then. Just like, but but I went up. Is it like flaws of the band? Did they bring tomatoes and all that? And like, no, they were just like, oh, oh, I feel real bad for you. It's like, like really, like really, like you were like on board for the guy cutting himself on stage with it's mic'd, but it's not picking up any sound. It's different. <laughs> so it's, so, it's so, different. yeah, yeah, it's it's different. <laughs> He's bleeding, and it sounds horrible. Yeah, I'll tell you that right now. It sounds awful. Yeah, fuck that. And then the other things were all like just those noise bands who don't do anything interesting. Where most of it's just like white noise machines. Out okay. There. And then it was me. There you go. Where and I was like, oh, and then they're just like, oh, and then coming up to me <laughs> afterwards, being like, are were, were those things that you said true? Did those really happen to you? Are you okay? Like, have you like come to terms with that? I'm like, enough. Like, I probably wouldn't be telling these strangers this at all if I hadn't come to terms with. I mean, you're not you're not putting on an act. No, I'm not putting on an act. But no, I get accused. I get accused of that. But I'm not like really um, creative enough to make a character. <laughs> <laughs> no, do, as it, as yeah. a persona, so it's like I'll make I'll make material, but I I don't bother to put it in a to create a character. I mean, it's different than me off stage, only in the sense that I do more talking on stage than I do off stage. But otherwise, it's the same. It's the same me, and then I'm more compelled to do it, which that's probably a sick thing to say. That I feel more compelled to do it than I actually get any sort of like joy, happiness, or I never feel like anything cathartic. It's but. natural, bro. <laughs> it's natural being you. Like, what, what are you gonna do? It's one thing if you do voices and stuff, but it's not like you're gonna go up there and like you were like uh, like a bobcat gold, you know, like that. Well, guy, he, well, you he know? well, he doesn't do that anymore. Although I, I, he, he's become a pretty great writer director, sure. in my opinion. Yeah. I don't know about yours. But. I, you know, I was talking to somebody recently. I yeah. can't remember who. It was a buddy of mine. <laughs> but they were saying that, like, something he did recently was fucking off the charts good. And I, I, tell me, what what should I go check out then? Well, what is it? Uh, I mean, the two movies that he made that I really liked were World's Greatest Dad and God Bless America. Okay. And he has a new show that I haven't really watched, though, okay. but that I think it's supposed to be, like... Like a comedic version of a Twilight Zone. Really? Okay. Thing, but I haven't I haven't checked that out yet. But that sounds interesting. Yeah. Let's so, get into that. Yeah. I don't know. It feels like comedy though is actually in this incredible fucking high point. I think that fucking TV's fantastic. Movies have kind of sucked lately. But fucking TV's in a golden age right now. Fucking yeah, like, no, there's some good TV. There's some good streaming series. I think um, things like Netflix, uh, whoever manages the comics that they put on there, they say yes to too many people. Okay. Um, just because, I mean, there's some really good ones on there, but there's a lot, most of it's like just awful trash. And you're just like, really? You're going to give this guy a fifth special, but yet... You're not throwing any money at George Wallace? Why? <laughs> I don't know. Not George Wallace. Segregation tomorrow. No, 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 no. The comedian. No, 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 no. George Wallace, the, the road dog uh, comedian, not not the not the white supremacist. 
that's a tough name to make in the business. The cool, Maybe in the, Alabama, the, 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 right. the, the, the cool George Wallace, <laughs> who's the been cool. active for decades. That's the not, cool. not, not, not doing things that were pro segregation. <laughs> that fucking guy. He'd probably be on the Supreme Court, but fucking if he had a chance. Huh. That is what it is. Well, maybe David Duke will. David Duke. He's got, he's got a chance. He's still alive. <laughs> as long as there's Trump and enough white people who are really racist but claim they're not because they haven't lynched anyone personally. Yeah. Like, David Duke's got a chance with that America. I was watching Bloodsport last night, and his last name's fucking Duke. Uh, Duke's so fucking D-U-X. I kind of... That's where my head's at right now. Like, if fucking David Duke's like kind of an afterthought. But I don't know, man. Fucking, there's a lot of stuff to make fun of. There's a lot of stuff to make fun of. Fucking Comedy Central wasn't a thing 20 years ago. South Park fucking comes along and fucking pretty much developed an entire network, in my opinion. Well, yeah. And, you know, fucking, they've been fucking slamming out shit left and right with original stuff. You know, like Keenan Pill's a, a huge deal. I think it fucking launched fucking Amy Schumer's career. You know, she's fucking arguably one of the biggest stars at it. You know, I mean, we were talking, I was saying how movies I think kind of like they're good, but I don't think they're like over, well, like I there's think, too many. Well, I think for comedy, it's, and it's been like a long time this way. Like if you want, for the most part, if you want a good comedy movie, you need to find an indie movie. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. Just because those seem to be the ones where people are actually taking creative chances. Um, and most of what's being put out by studios is like just like too formulaic where it's too much the same thing you've already seen and jokes that are too close to being almost verbatim the same joke you've heard in a hundred other movies. Oh, yeah. So like um and but I, I like the ones that are like the the comedy dramas like Hunter Gatherer was a really good movie that came out a few years ago. Um more recently Sorry to Bother You was really great. Okay. I didn't know those. Um what yeah. about the lobster? I haven't watched it, so I don't have an opinion of it. But it looks interesting to me. My favorite thing I seen last year was actually uh, the Disaster Artist. I fucking I was tickled by that, Matthew. Tickled, <laughs> fucking I loved it because it, it had a charm to it. I was just like it. It was like comedy enough where I was fucking laughing and really enjoying myself. But then I'm like got all fucking like sentimental and shit about being like you know independent and fucking being you know DIY and shit but I don't know it feels like ever since Judd Apatow like those movies fucking 20 years ago mm-hmm. it's it feels like the whole comedy landscape changed from like all slapstick shit to like fucking more like deep fucking two hour fucking films I'm probably putting over Judd Apatow way too hard on that statement fucking. no I mean I don't know. I I think his movies might be on like a downtrend, although he's definitely still super influential because he's producing tons of different things. But I feel like his influence is probably like on a downtrend now as far as like his movie movie influence. But at least with his movies, his movies tend to be, I don't know. And I'm not even saying this as someone who's necessarily even a fan, but, you know, they're slightly smarter frat boy movies. Yeah, I hear you. I was watching Super Bad the other night, and it, it, I was like, oddly reminded how like fucking juvenile it was. I mean, because it is a fucking juvenile teen movie. Yeah. But then, like you know, but in hindsight, it's like fuck. Like I think, uh, what was it? Ten years ago, that was fucking uh, slapstick. Fucking. Um, well, actually, Tropic Thunder. I fucking love Tropic Thunder. But oh god, I can't remember what the fucking one it was. Oh, uh, the Hangover. 
I thought The Hangover was like a fucking retarded, fucking stupid fucking comedy that still just kind of worked, you know? I mean, that's... I guess my point being is that, like, it seems like there's been, like, like a, many fucking box office hits for, like, fucking 10, 15 years ago, but nowadays it's just, it's just totally dried up. I don't know. Well, I think it's just too many things. It's too many things that are too similar being put out where it's, like, there's only allowed to be one white... one or two white comic... white female comics that get to be the big female comics at any given moment. And then you have 20 white guys who all make the same movie that all look similar-ish. They all get to still make movies and get pumped out by the studio. And then you, then they only allow one black guy to be the comic at any given moment outside of just Eddie Murphy. So you got Kevin Hart. Yeah, Kevin Hart. Which, no, which nothing like I'm not really saying any sort of opinion for or against him. Just I think the fact that they don't branch out to a variety of different like people and personalities is part of like why everything becomes like super stale in short periods of time. Where it's like, oh, you've every moment there's like a voice that's like different enough that something seems like fresh-ish, and then everything just becomes that, and then you're bored because they don't bother to let in any personalities or people with backgrounds that would be different than that person. Oh, shit. I mean, that's, that's, I wasn't trying to be deep, but like... No, no, I'm just but, listening. You talk well. Again. But, but, you know, like most of the... Like, I haven't seen a lot of new movies lately that are, that really like comedy or otherwise that I was like, oh, that's a really good movie that I want to recommend to anyone. Yeah. Like, Sorry to Bother You, I'd recommend to people. That was That was really good. Um, Hunter Gatherer, which is a few years old now, I'd recommend okay. that. Um, otherwise, like stuff is like been me revisiting stuff that I saw a long time ago that stuck with me when I was a teen, and seeing if a thirty thirty year old uh, thirty six year old me would still like it or get anything out of it. Sure. So like rewatching like Motorama, which is about like a ten year old boy who everyone. He's a 10-year-old boy playing a 10-year-old boy, but everyone looks at him and treats him as though he's an adult, and he steals a car, and it's this whole like existential message where it's a road trip across um, a fake version of America, and he's just playing a game, but the game has no, no end. Motorama? Yeah. That sounds like The Wiz. No, well, <laughs> it's, not quite, it's not quite The Wiz. Um, but like that movie or uh, The Last Great Thing, the last great thing. Yeah. Or no, the last big thing. The last big thing. The last big thing. That's what it's called. Um, where that was just like a one of those like movies that's making a statement on like art at the time that still holds somewhat relevant, even though stylistically the aesthetic of things have changed. Sure. Of what people want out of stuff. So it's still a very 90s film and yeah. critique of things going on at that time and what they thought was like boring and uninspired and lame and... But you know, done in an amusing kind of way, where it seemed a little like subversive enough. Yeah. You know, and stuff like you know, obviously, I mean, I watched Repo Man a bunch, so I don't, I can't revisit that. I've just seen it too many times, <laughs> but it's a good movie. <laughs> and floundering. No. So I, I don't know any of this stuff. Just I'm a fucking noob, you know. Like I can. Yeah. It is what it is. I don't know what. Well, I've just watched a lot of stuff because I grew up not having friends, so I've, I've watched a lot. I've watched, I've watched a lot of movies. <laughs> so there's like Beyond the Three Stooges. Fucking some people, that's the only fucking 
TV show they ever watched. Fucking, you know. Yeah, my my only knowledge of certain things is just because I wasn't d- enjoying life. Really. So I was like, oh, I, I got to watch this thing or listen to this thing because I wasn't doing what some other teenager would be doing, like having fun or socializing. Where'd you grow up? Um, I grew up in Massachusetts. Grew up in uh, Central Mass. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I did too. It's all right. It's yeah. a little lonely. Yeah. I mean, you know, a couple of bike rides, but you know. Yeah, it's all, it's all right. Yeah, but then like I'm like I'm very like too aware of other people existing, so I would um, instead of just like walking like the block around my house on like weekends to kill time and walk the dog around the block, um, I would just walk the short stretch of road to where it met a corner and then just walk back. So I was essentially just pacing for hours. Really? And making and making my dog pace with me, really? and uh, just because if I turned that corner, there were houses, and then for some reason in my head, I was like, they're gonna like have questions about why I'd be walking, but it's like you're walking a dog. The their their questions already answered. They know why you're out there, but in my head, it was like oh, they're gonna they they might say hello and like what do I do with that? <laughs> I like the way comedians are challenging the world though. This this fuck everything type, you know. I don't know if it's a gimmick. It's, it's you know, you challenge. Sure it's a gimmick with some. I mean, I don't know if I'm necessarily trying to challenge the world. I don't think I am. Yeah, but you can't. You you gotta fucking get up there and do it. I mean, that's how. Like, it's almost like it's not like you're possessed, but this is who you are. This is how you express yourself. This is how. This is you. No, de- no, definitely. I, ju- I just don't. I don't necessarily think of it in like terms like I'm. I don't know. Like I. I don't know if I could do it if I was thinking of it in terms as like as powerful as like what I, my words are going to impact these people in a way beyond this moment so you know in my head where I'm like I need to do this I feel compelled to do this but at the same time I'm just thinking like anything that I say and do here isn't clinging to them beyond this moment even though that's not entirely true I'm sure things or at least like the sentiment of something I said might like hold on with someone if they bothered to engage yeah but in my mind and processing, I'm just like, ah, they, they're going to forget this happened. This is just going to be another one of those nights that it, it happened. They're going to forget about it. It's not going to be one of those like shows where they're like, oh, remember that time I saw such and such band? That was amazing. And how they forget the hundred other shows they might have gone to, but that one stuck out. This isn't that show that's going to stick out. Really? Well, in my head, that's how I'm processing it. I'm, my it, God. It, really? But I did on uh, online when I was just I was just curious, but it was more so because I was I was touring with someone of more note than me, and so I went on just the the Facebook page for the venue, and I found the post that they did did to promote the event, and just reading comments. There's one person complaining about the show, and they complained about me, too. Um, so apparently they remember me. So there you go. there's that. You touched but, the life. But what they wrote was, they wrote something where like uh, they were like the the young the young woman who opened the show was delightful. They were delightful, um, uh, but the the opener for the headliner was anything but funny. They were depressing <laughs> and terrifying, <laughs> which I've never thought anything that I've done could be considered terrifying. And I was getting enough laughs that night from people. That I don't think I was being overly depressing. So I don't know what show they were experiencing. Yeah, yeah. But 
Um, My but, morbid curiosity. But that was their. Like, but that was what they wrote. Oh shit. <laughs> Well, that's fucking exciting. And they were like, we can't. Well, like, it started with, like, we came expecting family friendly fun. <laughs> no, don't fuck that. And it wasn't. And, the and day I, laughed and died? Yeah, but I don't even do, you know, and I don't do. I don't do that stuff that's intentionally, you know, meant to be edgy or shocking. Mm. But um, I know some of the stuff that I do gets listed under that just because I'm talking about life. Right. So, I, I mean. Unless you're only gonna, I guess, talk about like baked goods or something, like you're gonna hit something that's gonna be considered tabo- tabooish to somebody. You want to bake your head like Sylvia Plath, fucking. <laughs> well, I mean, I well, I well, I can't because I have an electric oven. <laughs> there you go. See, there you go. <laughs> um, See, you find the line, though. That's the thing. That that's making the best of the situation. You know. Yeah. You can't walk down. You can't walk by the neighbor's house, but we'll just walk back this way and fucking find the lining. Well, I don't you know. know. I don't. I don't know if I was trying to find a lining. You don't want to find. <laughs> right. No, no. My, my my dad would also do this to me when I was a kid. Um, which I'm one of five children, but the others um, were allowed to do more things. But he would. Uh, he'd like if I wanted to go to a concert or I wanted to travel to a certain city or something he'd find some newspaper article about something terrible that had recently happened there (laughs) and then like show me that so it's like he'd show you some article about kids being kidnapped and raped or oh see this this person went they they went to a punk show and they got shot in the face well i don't think that's the norm (laughs) but they're like no all the time they were all like 100% absolutes. Like news. you walk alone outside, this is going to happen all the time. Like, yeah, it happens a lot, but not all the time. <laughs> you still cool with dad? I'm, I'm better with him now just cause it's that thing with like age where you learn how to frame things. Sure. Sure. So is that like, is that like a, something you would frame like on stage? Like talking about fucking, I don't Well, I try to stay away from certain people or things because like if I, if I know that if they had ever heard the thing, they would never take it in the context that it was intended. Uh. But I still want to have some sort of like healthy relationship with them or friendly relationship with them uh. that I'm not going to bother. Right. And then also because like, then there are certain things I just don't talk about because I, I, I have, I have to have a day job and I don't, and the way society is now, anything could be, if it was videotaped or, someone retweeted or something could be used in such a way that you could lose your job with something just taken out of context. Mm-hmm. And so for survival's sake, I don't talk about certain things. Although I did do this. Um, I took it off Instagram only cause people have been flagging way too many things that I post on Instagram. And so <laughs> they keep getting threatened by them that they're going to um, block my account. Who'd you, who'd you, who are you I don't know, but some, it doesn't tell me who. But also, Instagram does this fun thing where someone will flag something that I posted like a year ago. And then they'll show you, but they won't show you even the image of what you posted. Uh. It'll be blurred out. So I won't even know. And they'll be like, this was hate speech. And I'm like, but I don't know what it is. So how am I supposed to learn? Really? I don't know what I posted last year, a year ago, because I, I post more frequently too frequently to remember that far back it's of just some one thing. Republican SJW, they're out there. They're very triggered people. Yeah, probably, probably some. Re- I know, I know. There's someone who they've told me in person a few times, and they told me online 
uh, a few times as well that the reason why they don't go to my shows is because of my illustrations and doodles that I do of um, men having their 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 uh, their dicks cut off. Really? But I told him that I'm only drawing like like in my my limited abilities. Like if I could draw hands better like there'd be less penises being cut up but those are, they're just so easy to draw so you're more like a you specialize in drawing fucking well, dicks I, being fucking swan in half it, it was just my um contribution to those women crush wednesdays so i just had like draw like some generic woman ah. wearing a <laughs> shirt that says smut rut and then i'd make something about why she had to cut this guy's dick off or oh remember that time when <laughs> Such and such, dude. And, and fucking these penises were cut <laughs> off. Um, and super bad. They fucking the Jonah Hill's character fucking said this is his condition. It was twelve percent of kids drew dicks obsessively. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, but but there's that, and I know I know that one. So there might be some other people who were somehow offended okay. by that. But which I thought was a bit of a stretch for why you wouldn't come to my show is maybe you're believing I'm going to act those out someday in real life. Which like I'll be on stage. Not getting the audience reaction I want, so I just target a man in the audience that I think I can overtake, and then just cut off his penis. Did you even own any Gigi Allen albums? No, but All like right, I, I, I mean, I, 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 th- I thought you were gonna ask if I do I own knives, <laughs> but no, I, I don't own Gigi. Gigi. Oh, um, One of these days you're gonna end up playing for the next Gigi. Uh, some uh. some guy with a cheese shredder. Who's all like, I know my art's garbage, but I've got problems. Watch me shit. <laughs> yeah. Um, watch me shove this up my ass. Uh, isn't that uh, art? Something. Isn't that something? It is something. <laughs> Depends. If you're at a place called, like, the, if, it, if it has space in the title, it's art. So like, any anyway, venue with space yeah, in the title. But anyways, what I was getting to, like, I posted them on Instagram, but then I took them off. But I posted them on, like, Twitter and Facebook, uh, which they might still get blocked and stuff, but. Um, uh, I made short videos of, you know, those lip sync videos, lip sync challenge videos that they keep posting at cops, like oh, wa- yeah. wasting tax dollars to try and look cute. What do you mean they have to spend money to do that? I think they're, they're cute on the in clock. General. I think they're on the clock when they're doing it. They're, they're cute in general. They're I don't look cuter I, than an <laughs> officer in fucking uniform. What are you talking about? Nothing cuter. Um, <laughs> You got kittens and then cops lip syncing. I mean, yeah, it's, yeah, a fa- it's a toss-up. Yeah, every, everyone, everyone's like, oh, man, look at that capo. Capo that, what are... Do you ever talk that way to a cop? Have you ever been arrested? Actually, no, um, let's not go to that. Fucking, do you ever call a cop, cop? You go, hey, cop, anything other than cop, anything other than sir, you go, hey, copper. I've, not, I've never said sir. No? No, to a cop. I mean, I've said sir to people. I've never said sir to a cop. I've been... As polite as I needed to be yeah. without showing any sort of respect for their authority. But yeah. there was one time where um, uh, I was pulled over and the cop was flashing the flashlight mask. He's like, why are, your, why, are your, why are your eyes bloodshot? And I was like, I don't know. They shouldn't be. And he's like, you're right. They shouldn't be. And then... Um, <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty funny. <laughs> they don't know what to say. <laughs> yeah, and and, and That's I, right. <laughs> yeah, and I mean I don't I don't I don't smoke weed or do anything though like that. So then I was like, oh well. Contacts. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no. Then I think I did like a, a Larry David type th- thing where he then just got bored, walked walked away, and let me go. But I was like, well, you know, um, I was in this room. 
this room, this the, the upper, the upstairs of this place, and it was very hot, and my glasses kept fogging up, so I took them off, so maybe because I had to strain my eyes to see better, and mixed with the heat, maybe oh, yeah, that sure. irritated Absolutely. my eyes, yeah. that's why they're red, I believe and so I just got like a sigh from him, and he let me go. Really? So like, the white privilege. Um, <laughs> yeah. Black people can't have glasses. Well, they they can't tell that story. It's <laughs> unfortunate. Yeah. It's even unfortunate. even if it's true. Well, it is true. It's sad but true. But I never called a cop a, a pig or anything like to their face. No. You never just walked up to them like you're in Dick Tracy and you're like, yeah. Or like in Wayne's World where they're like, hey, you guys smell bacon? Whatever. Uh, no, like. no, I didn't do that. But with the lipstick ones, I re-edited some of them so that... Um, they have anti-cop songs sure. playing. So, like, one of them I, I set to MDC's Let's Kill All the Cops. Really? But it's cops singing. Millions it, of dead cops. MDC. Yeah, MDC. Mm-hmm. And then, obviously, the obvious I did not the obvious choice of Body Count's Cop Killer. Oh, yeah. Well, that's a popular one. It's, yeah. a, it's a metal band. Body Count. Yeah, yeah. And the videos that I just picked and I didn't even dig that long worked well for making them look really bad. I like Ice-T. Where there's, like, cops... Eating donuts in their lip sync video and dancing in front of their squad cars. Nine out of ten people who watch SVU unit with Ice Cube, like Ice T. They don't know he was in fucking Body Count. It's hilarious. That's, <laughs> that's probably true. No, I love Ice T. I used to make fun of a cop at fucking uh, high school who was like, I they call him the resource officer. Resource. He he really would just fucking bust kids for smoking cigarettes in the bathroom. But I used to rag him all the time. He fucking. Took great delight in fucking expelling me from high school fucking a few years later and fucking fucking with me, you know, the whole department. Fucking nothing nothing worse than getting in the system when you're a fucking teenager and having fucking, you know, cops just fucking pull you over for anything and everything. Fucking, yeah. you know? It's the worst. It's the worst. Mm-hmm. It truly is. Fuck up your whole life. But I don't know. What can you say? It's kind of, you know, it shaped my whole fucking life in general, fucking getting expelled from high school. It's like, in the end, you gotta, you know, fucking find some sort of thing to fucking do, whether it be metal or fucking, you know. Yeah, I never... Pretty much real college. I mean, know? I never got, like, officially expelled. I was told not to come to school for two days. Really? Um, but they told me it was for my own safety. Really? Yeah, because um, it was, like, a month before Columbine happened. Yeah. So a month before Columbine happened, so just just under the window before people were doing copycats of the uh, fake threats after Columbine, um, they uh, I got pulled out of homeroom because apparently on a Monday I got pulled out of homeroom on a Monday, but apparently um, multiple uh, students had gone to the the office the previous Friday. Worried that I was going to bring a gun or some sort of homemade bomb into school. Really? Yeah, but I had never told anyone I was going to do that. And then I got pulled out of homeroom, but I also, the guidance counselor knew me well because um, there was a teacher who was worried about my uh, my emotional state. And so they would send me to the guidance counselor once a week because they were worried I was going to like self-harm myself. Oh, yeah. And so he knew me fairly well, and he was like... I get called out of a homeroom, go to him. He closes the door and he's all, um, do you know why, do you know why you're here? And I was like, no. And he's like, well, you know, such and such with the people who came to the office, um, saying that you're going to bring, bring a gun to school and kill people. And I started to laugh at the, um, the idea of anyone being scared of me. 
so 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 um so i was laughing and then he he kind of chuckled a little he's like all right i think i think it's a little funny too that anyone would think this of you but um public enemy number one over here he was like but when you're in the when the when you're in the principal's office later like don't don't laugh and just uh deny 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 whenever they ask you questions really he was like just deny 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 or just say i don't know I like them people. And um, he was like, because they they just want to get you in trouble for something. Yeah. And he was like, and the, and he's like, and definitely just don't say anything when when the cops come. Let's <laughs> see, so you got a whole briefing right then. And there. Yeah, and so oh shit. Yeah, so my guidance counselor was like, well, yeah, you're never gonna have marketable skills, but just don't talk to the cops. <laughs> wow. Um, but so he coached me on how to. Yeah. deal with the police but so then like the the principal like talked to me and stuff and they were like you know do you have a, did you bring a gun school do you, do you have a gun in your locker and i was like well like i don't even know where my locker is and they're like what <laughs> and i was like well i haven't used it all year because um i don't want to have to interact with people in those like two minutes between classes Apparently. so uh, i hadn't used my locker sure so i was like if there's a gun in there it's a surprise to me <laughs> which he didn't think was a funny joke and then, uh, but then later I, they sent me home and then I had to go to the police. Well, I was given the option. I can either go to the police station or they can, they'll come and get me. So I chose to just go. <laughs> and so I went to the police station and, um, they interrogate me and ask me questions. And they're like, you know, do you have access to guns? I was like, no. They're like, well, sometimes we go to people's, uh, homes for, um, like, uh, a claim of like spousal abuse or some loud noise or something. And we asked people if they have guns, they say they don't have any guns, but it turns out they have 20 guns. And I was like, well, if I had 20 guns, I'd remember if I had a gun. Jesus Christ. <laughs> and I was like, I don't have any guns. And then just told them that the whole thing was like a, was a rumor. It's probably the same people reporting Instagram. Probably <laughs> just to hang up. They're like, we couldn't take him down then. Now, now we're gonna take him down when he has less than a thousand followers on Instagram. We're gonna do it. It's gonna happen. It's gonna happen now. That's crazy though. Fucking, they sent me the guidance counselor because I, I had the the lyrics to Metallica's "Harvester of Sorrow" written on my book cover, and they were like, "Oh, self harm over here, all." And like, <laughs> I'd meet one of once a week. Fucking like, ugh. It's so fucking ridiculous. I don't know. It's probably hysteria, though. And it's like, you've probably been in a suburban town, you've grown up in a suburban town that fucking has that sort of, like, high school network where you're so fucking, like, disenfranchised by fucking being around, like, the cliques and the materialistic fucking charm that many people have that you might lack and fucking, it's crazy. And, you know, I don't know, for me, like, it was easy to lash out fucking... Whether it be fucking violence or just fucking make fun of everybody or some yeah. shit, you know? Like, I can never really control it, to be honest. Fucking yeah. No, I was a late bloomer socially. Like, I didn't really make friend friends until my late 20s. Yeah? A lot of video games? No, I was never really into video games. I mean, I, li- I like movies, and I liked comic books, and I liked, you know, other books, and I liked listening to a lot of music. Yeah. But, I was, I don't know. I pl- I'd play video games, but I... They couldn't keep my attention. I got bored really quick. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Like fucking, I put video games nowadays, and I just I'm not into it. Like I always feel like I'd be doing something better. I don't know. But then again, too, I do enough as is, and I don't know. I've been reading more and shit. 
I hardly watch TV. I just I like comedy here and there. But there's only so much comedy I like. I like fucking Kirby Enthusiasm and you know, I still watch Seinfeld fucking obsessively. Yeah. I mean most things are garbage for but that's like across the board for all yeah. art media and media and it whatever the intention of it is. Most of it's like, you know, kinda awful and then you've got some good stuff thrown, you know, in there. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I don't know what that is. That Moore's law. Well, I mean, what is that? What's what's the law about that? Like, I don't know. Andy Warhol has like that quote of like only like ten percent of anything is good. Really? But it was, but he was but he was talking about like art and I think mostly the type of pop art he was a part of. But still, I think it applies to most things. Yeah. Even if that number numerical number isn't necessarily completely accurate, but well, yeah, because it's different. You know, like for me, like one of the. <laughs> One movie, if I get drunk enough, I always end up watching fucking King of Comedy. Fucking with De Niro. Have you seen that? Yeah, that's a good one. I, I don't know. I just... There's something about that fucking movie. Other movie, Like, Midnight Run to me is like one of the funniest fucking movies of all time. And... Mm. You've seen that? Yeah, that's a good one. It's um, fucking stupid, but I love it. And, and it's like this weird humor in it, you know? Like, it's, it's just him yelling at somebody and it's like the same vulgar shit, you know? Ford Fairlane I fucking seen that The other night I think that's one Of the, the stupidest Fucking movies ever But it's fucking Utterly hilarious Like Yeah I don't I don't, I don't know The Like I get I get that stuff So like not Like not everything's Meant to be like Highbrow and super Intellectual or sure, whatever yeah But I feel weird Calling like certain Like things Like stupid Even though they are when people like but you, I think comedy is one of the few things where it's like people write it off as like either they like it and they're ecstatic about it or they go oh that was that was fucking dumb that was fucking stupid that was fucking stupid because it was like they didn't like it right as opposed to just going like it, you know it's not my thing right or having like a legitimate claim of why they're offended by it or not offended by it or whatever um, but you know there's a lot of stuff that's like yeah it, it's dumb on the surface but was it creative like if it was creative at all, then it's got maybe some value. Sure, sure. Yeah, I mean, I. I, I mean, it could still be awful, even though even if the people were really creative, they were creative made complete garbage. But um, I mean, I think like there's a lot of like stuff where it's like it's definitely dumb, but I like it because it's dumb that I wouldn't in a way that I wouldn't have think to make a thing. So, where's drunk history fall in all this? Probably like similar and but that's also like one of those things where it's like I feel like it's already been on too long. I agree. For the concept. Um I mean same deal with like Portlandia. I don't think it's all bad, but I think it overstayed it's like anything good about it, it's been on for too long for the concept they have. See I like the sketches, but yeah, to have like the same motherfuckers come back every season and eh I don't know. It's not necessarily fresh no more, you know? But I also feel like there's a weird, like, uh, this this will upset people, but uh, Sleather Kenny. Uh, <laughs> I feel like there's, like, a revisionist history where people want want us to believe that band mattered more in the 90s than they did. Okay. When there were uh, other bands that were m- much more exciting and interesting, putting out intense mu- music that were way better than them, that had larger audiences than them and meant more, but still weren't, like... We're never like Nirvana big, but we're st- still mattered more. You talking about showing knife? Well, that's a, no, that's a, that band wasn't around the 90s, was it? It's like 2000s, I think. 
No, I think they were around. They were? Yeah. Okay, well, no, I'm not talking about them, but I think they probably get about just the expected amount of praise. Yeah. No, no, but like L7, uh, Bikini Kill, Babes in Toyland. Right. Uh, all these bands, uh, I think, matter more because they also had more of a message than Sleather Kinney. Like, this is where I, I just piss off a bunch of music nerds who are like, no, Sleather Kinney meant like a lot because they were my, they were the gateway drug to thinking Foo Fighters were decent. Well, they ain't no, <laughs> they ain't no drain STH, that's for sure. No, or downset. <laughs> oh, downset. <laughs> Where's my beer? Uh, fucking banging this cord. No, but, um, I don't know. I guess to go into one of those generic things where they ask people like, you know, what were, what are your influences? What are your blah, blah, blah. Um, like I don't like when people do the whole thing of only rattling off all the names everyone expects. Sure. Uh, assault. Well, no, 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 not even that. But like, uh, no, I'm just talking about like comedy or like other arts would be that too. Where I guess if you're like a metal band, your expected go-tos are like, well, I liked early Metallica and that was an influence on yeah. me. And I liked Anthrax. Like if I was to sit you down and just be like, well, I mean, so who's your top three chemists? It's going to be Richard Pryor and Colin and Kinnison, you know? Not yeah. bad picks, but like no, it's, no, no, it's no, pretty not, standard. Not, not bad know? picks, like, but like, but if I was like a, a fan of anyone, I'd rather hear like, even though it's kind of the the asshole thing to do when you're in a conversation with someone, but if I'm just listening, overhearing a conversation, then or reading a conversation of someone else's, then I'm more inclined to want to hear like what are those like deep cut artists or whatever that maybe I didn't know about or didn't pay enough attention to yeah. that I'd rather go check out. Because like most of the stuff that's influenced me as a performer, for good or bad, um, aren't necessarily people that are really considered comedians. Really? Yeah, so it's like Harvey P. Carr, who ah, did the American Splendor comic books. American and Splendor. Spalding Gray. Who's Spalding Gray? Uh, monologuist, an actor. Um, sadly, his last credit, although he maybe he was really proud of this movie, so maybe not sadly. But the last movie he was in was, um, is it How High? What's the Red Man and Method movie? Uh, yeah, that was it. I didn't watch oh, it. Yeah. He was in that movie. As some sort of like dean of admissions or something. I haven't seen the movie, so I might didn't, have the character on, but I know he was in it. Didn't like uh, uh, Portlandia do with no documentary now do one on him? That's well and great. Yeah, they, well, from Foster Gloss to Rhode Island. Like, oh, they might they might have, but I don't I don't know. A monologue, I don't know. There there is there is a there might be one on him uh, from uh, like uh, his like swimming to Cambodia or something. But I think that might I haven't have seen it. all the documentary now, so I don't know. I have to play uh, But I know, but I've seen some of them. Um, but no, Spalding Gray did like Swimming to Cambodia. Okay. Um, Gray's Anatomy was one of them. Uh, the TV show, of course. Yeah. He did uh, <laughs> that movie with um, uh, Burns, the singer of um, The Talking Heads. Remember that movie? Yeah, they David used to, Burns. David Burns. That movie they used to show on Comedy Central all the time. Uh, that David Burns is like the narrator. He's walking through an American town in middle America. I, I, can't I can't think of the name of it, it. but was, someone can yeah. look it up. It's got John Goodman in it. It's got Spalding Gray. Um, really? Um, and it was like a ha- Harry was, Dean Stanton type motherfucker. No, but Harry, Harry Dean Stanton is also amazing. Or, or what? Well, was amazing. Works still amazing. Uh-huh. He's he's dead. So do you think know. Bukowski's funny? Do I think I think Bukowski's good? But I think Bukowski's one of those weird ones where, because fans put him on such like a level, people want to be like they like to preface stuff because they're like they understand like he's an important part of influencing 
you know, poetry and some literature in America, but they also want to, we have this thing at, I think, I don't know if it's just an American thing where we want to seem like we're too cool f- to like certain, certain shit. So they want to go like, well, like his poetry, but fuck his novels. Right, right, um, right. Yeah. But like, they probably haven't read his novels. I, I, I like all of his <laughs> stuff, frankly. It's brutal, though. It's kind of like listening to Bluff of Blood. It takes me to a place. I'm like, okay. No, I like some Bukowski and like Barfly was a great movie. That's on fucking Prime. I gotta watch that. Um, but like, Spalding Gray. Uh, Joyce Brabner, who's um, was married to Harvey Picar, her work, even though she's not nearly as famous as really? Harvey was, has oh, influenced my. Because there's like, there's a comedic sensibility of them all dealing with serious life stuff, but there was humor mixed in. There was a degree of levity, which I think were the things that allowed them to kind of like process the trauma until they well and in Spalling Gray's case until like he couldn't process the trauma anymore and then took his own life. But, um, but at least for the time that they were alive, it was the thing that allowed them, but it allowed them to also kind of like communicate aspects of life that might seem very normal in a way that seemed special. But at the same time, you're like, Oh, I'm not alone. Dude, watching American Splendor and anybody can get HBO and watch. That's a great movie. It fucking honestly, it changed my, my life. Like I never looked at comics. I worked at Newberry comics for a number of years, Yeah, but I never, it, I took, it, it gave me a new perception of comics and just it fucking, it was just a really inspiring movie. Bottom line, like fucking just like a certain level of charm. And to your point, it was like, it's a comedy that I just found to be more uplifting rather than like laugh out loud, fucking slappy knee type shit. It was just like a real hopeful, like optimistic way to look at everyday life. Did you read the books at all? No, no. I'm fucking oblivious. Well, the same with Robert Crumb and all that stuff. I have no fucking idea what's going on. Well, they're worth checking out. Same thing with like Joyce Brabner's books, which she has like, um, I forget the name of the new one, but it's online for people to read the the current draft because huh. it hasn't found a publisher home yet. I've always but, tried. But her last book that was put out and published, it's called Second Avenue Caper. By Joyce Brabner. Joyce Brabner, yeah. And Brabner. Brabner, yeah. B-R-A-B-N-E-R. Um, and that one deals with like the early days, of, like the AIDS crisis. But it, her stuff is written, whereas like Harvey's stuff is written more about his life and the, the little worlds around him. Um, her, her, Joyce's stuff is more, um, activist and journalistic in nature, even though there was like a degree of like activism tones in Harvey's stuff, but it wasn't specifically that, but Joyce's stuff was more, more that. So second movie Caber deals with like a group of her friends during the early days of the, the AIDS crisis and how they all like came together and helped each other. And all that. You're going to make me cry. That's so sad, man. No, well, no, no, it's definitely sad, but, um, but yeah, but stuff like that, and then like you know more comedic stuff, but stuff that's like, I get not the normal form. Like Sandra Bernhard, like while like oh, I yeah. don't do what she does, yeah. that's definitely stuff that's like oh like compels me to want to be like oh I I want to be interesting in a public forum because right. like that. Remember that show she used to host on USA? It was like on at midnight. Um, was that other guy Bob Job? Bob? No, Bob no, no, no. Bob? I think I think you're confusing people, but she did have that show. She had a show, I don't know what network it was on, but I know that they, it might have been on Comedy Central, where she'd usually come out like in like some some form of like a cocktail dress. Yes. And she'd do like an opening, like um, X amount of minutes, and then she would host like other comics. 
And then, but I think you're thinking of uh, USA's Up All Night and like mashing them together, which she wasn't a part of. But I thought that she covered for Bo Bob Bridges there. I don't, she could have. I don't know. Was that the, his name? Bo Bo Job. He's in Casino. I don't Fucking, think. I don't think that. I think. De Niro I think. Fies I think Bo. I think Bo is correct. <laughs> I don't. Can't think of the rest of the guy's name, but yeah, the guy who w- would like sit in front of like a trailer. Yeah. And he'd show those B horror movies. Yes. Yeah, I don't know if Sandra Bernhardt ever filled in for him. I but, thought she did. But I used to. But I used it to. It was love, around the same time. They had a similar time slot. I used to like stuff like that because I was like, you would think, given the fact that TV has to compete with streaming, that they would have shows like that again because it was shows like that that allowed me to watch movies that maybe I wouldn't have known about otherwise. Right. Like some of those movies, like obviously I'd heard about them if you were a fan of like horror. And you could when you could rent videos and stuff, mm-hmm. um, you discover some of those on your own, anyways. But like you know, some but you got to stumble upon like B movies that you wouldn't have known about, and like that was like the exciting thing with like media back then was like there was more of like a surprise. Oh yeah, even Blind though there even though Blind there's buys. even though there's easier access to stuff yeah. now, yeah. like and it like there's easier access and it's easier to put stuff out. But the negative is you have to dig through more awful to yeah. get to the good <laughs> well it's kind of like to your point that we were talking about being a, a doing comedy in worcester and even just being a promoter where you got to hustle a little bit harder but the reward is greater because people put in more effort to do it and that's similar to the video store there was a fucking real ritual the fucking friday night think about what you're gonna fucking watch go to the fucking store hopefully it's fucking there if you know yeah. you have a backup plan and, you know, there's other shit you just see there. You know, you've been flipping around fucking, you know. I remember when they started bringing in at the video store I had, it was like video cards. It wasn't even like the fucking actual cases no more. Oh, yeah. But that's the thing. It's like you, you, it was like a record store. You would go there every fucking week and peel through fucking VHSs. And, you know, I didn't even fuck with DVD. No, that was the fun you know? of renting. Well, I used to, um, there, there wasn't a Blockbuster or anything in the town that I was in. There was just the one independently run video store. And, uh, but there was a water fountain in the center of town. And so I'd walk, I used to walk up to the water fountain and then just scoop out change. Um, and it, I think it was like $3. <laughs> I think at the time it was Even like, the Goonies? What is this? no, but I think at the time it was like $3 to rent like a new movie, $2 sure. to rent yeah. like an old movie. Yeah. yeah. And, um, like I, I would just, I would just rent different movies this way. Like I remember, like I said, like a uh, point of no return. So then I was like, Oh, I want to see everything that. Bridget Fonda has been in now. Um, yeah. um, so I saw, like, I can't remember the names of some of them, but I saw some more, like, obscure movies that she was in before she just fell off the face of the earth. Well, she hasn't fallen off the face of the earth. I think she just stopped making movies <laughs> in recent times. But, a lot um, of money. But, uh, but, it, but one of the more, like, memorable things that I was able to rent at an inappropriate age um, from money that I got, at, coins that I got out of the, the fountain was... Um, uh, crash Cronenberg's Crash. Oh yeah. So I would have been like eleven. Yeah. And that was NC seventeen. Really. And they they just let me take it out. That's I'm the like, one with fucking uh, Matt someone... Dillon. Am I off? Um. Matt Dillon. He was in Crash. No, it's uh, it's uh, there's Holly Hunter, there's um James Spader. I can't. I don't think Matt Dillon's in it. I don't know any James Spader. Fucking actually, no, no, Jay, no you know he Jay. was in Secretary. That's the only James Spader. He was in Secretary, but he also. Do you remember he used to also be in a lot of those like those teen movies from the eighties? No. Where he played, like, he played like the geeky friend or the really? the bad boy friend or something. Dude, I finally saw a fucking like uh, what do you call it? Uh, 
fucking wet hot American summer or some shit. Uh, I saw that like a year ago. The, yeah, I think I think that's one of those things where it's like if you that's one of those things where you benefit from seeing it before people overhype it. Really, I agree. Because then, because then you could be like, oh, you can enjoy it to the level that you're capable of enjoying it if you're gonna enjoy it at all. Yeah. But after you see it and you see the people who are like, wait, you're like, I wasn't that happy after seeing it. What's wrong with them? Yeah. I'll, I was not. I didn't tap into it that way. So you're like, it must be, must be garbage. They must be dumb. Yeah, <laughs> I feel that way about the Lost Boys. I think that movie fucking sucks dick. Fucking like, not that there's anything wrong with sucking dick. <laughs> but, but it's just like, I, I would but if a movie could suck dick, dude, your opinions not are, that ne- good. are you negative. It's not that good. <laughs> Fuck that shit. It's just stupid. You're like they wouldn't be good at. If, <sighs> if inanimate objects like VHS tapes could dude. suck dick. They wouldn't be good at sucking dick. Is that what you're saying? Well, no. I mean, like, essentially, it's like people fucking sort of like there's this weird period where it's like, and I'm a dude that runs a tape label, but like, fucking, there's so many people out there now that straight up think like the 80s was this like fucking like golden mecca of fucking. Oh, no, there's, like, a, there's a lot of movies if you're honest with yourself. You're like, hey, I don't know why I enjoyed it then, but it's not very good now. No. Like, I feel that way about the Goonies. Like, it's like, fun. It's, like there's a nostalgia nostalgic. aspect, yes. but like, wait, but if you watch it outside of like, I enjoy this as at this bro period, you're like these oh. fucking Pixar's. Like I watched Coco the other night, and I'm fucking like bawling like a little fucking girl. Fucking is, it, like, is it near dark? The one where the horror movie where um they're in the cemetery in the mausoleum. I'm seeing, and yeah. it's like the underworld underneath it. Like it was a I um. I just want to make sure I have the right one. Sounds like Coco. I want to make sure I'm not confusing it with the cool <laughs> vampire movie. That what, Twilight? Bill, that Bill Paxton was in. Bill Paxton was in. Because uh, there's Near Dark, and then there's this other movie. Um, but the... Snow was great. Cl- it was Clyde Barker. It's based off like Clyde Barker oh, shorts. Are you talking about Nightbreed? Yeah, Nightbreed. So, yeah, Nightbreed. We yeah. watched it um, in recent years, and was like, I don't like this movie. I, don't, I never liked the movie. <laughs> but, but I really liked it when I saw it. At, it's then, cool. When I watched it multiple times in the 90s. Yes. But then watching it now... Like, beyond just being like, oh, cool practical effects, it's garbage. No, I, I don't <laughs> like that movie. And the, it's a joy for 80s effects. It's a joy to watch. But I'm a fucking big Hellraiser fan in general. I really like that Hellraiser series, but I cannot get into fucking Nightbreed. It's just fucking... Although, rewatching Hellraisers are tough, too. Really? Like, even the ones that I like. Well, one like and two. One it, and two is fucking essential. Three's a three's a waste of time, even, and four is good when you. Fucking, I, well, I think the problem, like the first one, is like while it's a decent story and has decent characters, it still has like so much of it hinges on gore. Yeah. So I'm like, it's yeah. not like one of the like it's not like like I can rewatch the first four Phantasm movies, not the last one, but the first four Phantasm movies multiple times and still enjoy them, but. I can't really go back to Hellraiser, but I still go like I can respect it as a movie. The first one, the first and, and second, the second, are, are fantastic and then the third stories. one's the, the third one's where it gets um, it's che- it gets cheesy, right? And they yes. got the guy with the video camera in his head. Yes, yeah, and the fucking yes, you know, Ahmed Saint plays in a fucking club, and Lucini's kill every. It's but you're right. It's no longer about fucking. The relate the, the, this forbidden love with Frank and going to hell and fucking the labyrinth and like the, you know it, one and two are fantastic and by the way too when that that mental patient fucking cuts himself up on the mattress that's still one of the most disturbing fucking scenes oh, I've no, ever definitely. seen and like it's fascinating fucking like 
I, it's just like that's a real fucking uneasy fucking feeling that I genuinely haven't had recreated. I think the problem with the, that franchise is that it's a movie that should have had standalone movies mm, mm, and just well. stuff like it didn't have like enough character development or stuff to make it. Doug Bradley's fantastic. To make it like really like no, I'm not nothing against like talents that were involved in yeah. it, but like there just wasn't enough to the story to make it. Let me tell you something though. I want to get off topic, but same topic. That's fine. I watched fucking the remake of Stephen King's It the other the other yeah. night last week. I fucking loved it. I no. thought it was fucking t- scary, dude. Like I had chills the whole time, man. And I just want to say real quick, yeah. I was a diehard fan of that movie as a kid. I wrote like a junior novelization when I was in fourth grade, like a fifty fucking page story, like yeah. for kids. It was like the whole thing, but for kids, you know, I was wicked in the goosebumps and shit. <laughs> But that is the one fucking movie, I swear to God, that I've been saying. I'm like, I wish they remade that. They've remade all these other movies, which I fucking could give two shits about. I always wanted them to redo It. And I thought this was fucking brutal, dude. Fucking yeah. like, I, I loved it. I don't have the same issue about people doing remakes as um, other people do, where they're like, well, Hollywood's just getting new ideas. Mm. Because um, you look at plays and musicals. They do revivals of those all the time on stage. That's all remake movies sure. are in some sense. Only it's going to stay and you'll remember the cast. Um, I've, never, my only problem I've never watched Hamlet, but I'm, I'm told I've watched it like 10 different variations. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, my, my only problem with certain remakes is just that they don't bother to do anything new. Sure. With, with a lot of the remakes. Or they do like a less interesting version of. Oh, yeah. But where it's like really... It'd be more interesting if they just kind of go like, what if we did this with the characters instead of what we did do with the characters? What if this was the conclusion rather than what was the previous conclusion? Right. Like and totally then, fucking... And then it, but, but we're doing it still in the same world. We're doing the same personalities, even though it might be different actors. Mm-hmm. But like that would be more interesting to me than a lot. But I, did, I thought the It remake was great. Fantastic. They, there was so many elements. Like every scene was fucking scary, dude. Like every scene was scary. Like night, of, the Night of Living Dead remake is another one that I would say is being, good, like a really good. Yes, the Dennis Hopper one. Or wait, am no. I think of Land of the Dead or whatever? You're thinking Land, think, of the, Land of the Dead wasn't a remake though. Land of the Dead cool. was just the new end of his franchise because of the success of the remakes. Yeah. Well, which Night of Living, the Night of Living Dead remake, the first one was good with, uh, which had the Candyman guy in it. Uh, Tony Todd. Uh, Tony Todd. Um, <laughs> I met him at Comic Con. And like that was a really good, well done remake. Even though they didn't really add too much to it outside of what you had in the original, other than he now owned the copyright to it. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then uh, the Dawn of the Dead remake isn't bad. Is good. Is is decent too. Sure. Although I like the '70s aesthetic of the original. Just like that, that feel, um, and really the only thing that was kind of lame in the new one was that they show you that the people died as yeah. opposed to just leaving it open-ended of like, yeah, they probably die. Yeah. Um, so the ending was lazier in the remake, but otherwise I thought the remake of Dawn of the Dead was still like enjoyable. Yeah, dude, I think with all the talent they got, you know, ever since they had that writer's strike, it's been nothing but remakes and, and reboots. There was two, though, that really stick out on me. I loved, and I never, it's weird that I even feel this strongly about it, but Rambo. 
I thought that Rambo reboot was like the most violent film I've ever seen in my life, and it was awesome. No, Fucking. yeah, no, that was great. That was great as long as you're someone who's like an action fan and was on yes. board. And I'm not because, an action fan dude, because because it goes to the le- right level of just like just excessive yes violence and ludicrousness that you're yes. like okay this is this is in, it was this is enjoyable wa- watching some some hopped up 70 year old yeah it's a dude that I, I, I like <laughs> evil dead so it's like okay yeah alright fucking but that and then fucking alien I love fucking Prometheus you know and I, I, I like well, Covenant too I thought Covenant I didn't was... see the new ones I didn't see the new ones there's a lot of ones of those that like I just haven't caught up on like I haven't watched like uh, I probably won't watch most of them just cause I'm kind of like tired of them just cause there's so many of them but um, I haven't watched most of the superhero movies that have come out yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I watched Logan cause it at least looked like a different movie yeah um, I mean, I recently saw Black Panther, uh, which my only like, which I thought was like, it was decent for what it was, but it still was just kind of your standard action. Everything's blowing up, um, stuff, but it had some like moments that were kind of like some powerful dialogue, but outside of it, I was just like, wouldn't it be cool? Like practical, I miss practical effects and especially in superhero movies because in superhero movies, it's like too like over the top where it's too much. Like I'm just watching a video game. Yeah. And so I'm just like, ah, when when does this scene with the the flashing purple and the flashing purple cartoon end, so that I can then just see something else? It's weird you said that because like I was thinking about I watched that new Star Wars the other night, and I felt like that whole movie was basically a video game. Like I felt the whole fucking movie was them just creating a video game, and I don't know, I wasn't that into it. Uh, <laughs> but, I know, but, but I don't know if horror movies that I like. And I don't, I'm not, I feel like that's one of those things where it's like you go through phases. Like when you first like, like metal, yeah. you're like, I'm only supposed to be entertained by gore. All right. So yeah. Like, so you're like, yeah, I got to live up to this lifestyle until you're like, oh, like, I can't do that. I got to be the real me and just enjoy these things. And I can like other things. Right. <laughs> but like, if you're like to yourself, even though there's like, when you had no friend, well, when I had no friends, it was like, who was I like competing for? But like watching a bunch of gore stuff, but I like you know the Phantasm movies. I kind of like even though people shit on them, I like the Halloween sequels. Those are good. Like the special, like the one I like the ridiculous ones with the psychic girl. Really? I, I like the Paul Rudd one, even though it's dumb. Really? <laughs> um, Cemetery Man is a favorite movie of mine. You've seen that, right? Oh. You, you should see that. That's a good one. I think that there's a lot of fucking horror movies, though, that are some of the funniest shit ever. Like, Troll 2 fucking kills me. I fucking die laughing at Troll 2. Yeah. Fucking Evil Dead still fucking kills me. What fucking, the- you know, even like a movie like Gremlins, I think, is like a comedy. It's well, not even like well, fucking, you know. I think Gremlins is intended to be funny to an extent. Huh. It's charming. Especially, well, the second one's definitely. Fuck <laughs> yeah. But, um... Fucking little lipstick fucking gremlins walking around there. No, but Cemetery Man's like one of those movies where it's like it has those like lines of dialogue that like stick with you that you're like, oh, I'm gonna try and make that like a mantra that means something to me, even though it means nothing. Really? Where, Cemetery Man. Yeah, without like ruining anything, there's like a line of dialogue in it where the. It just goes, there is no rest of the world. Oh. <laughs> My goodness. <laughs> so. So what's up, man? Fucking, uh, you got any shows coming up? Anything you want to promote? I do. Okay, so, um,. September 22nd um, at Ralph's Rock Diner. It'll be... What's the message? It's comedy and storytelling, but it will feature Joyce Brabner, American Splendor, Harvey Picard's Widow. She also worked with John Waters doing makeup and costume design on uh, early, early films of his. 
um, graphic novelist in her own rights, um, had some comic books banned. Um, and then really Mark Hostler's on that. I've worked with Joyce before. Joyce, Joyce is an amazing personality and very interesting. And she always comes with something different to share when I do events with her. So she's there worth checking out. But then, uh, Mark Hostler will also be co-headlining this. And Mark Hostler is, um, famously a member of negative land. Are you familiar with Negative Land? No, no. Um, it's a band that does noise music. Really doesn't do them rough justice, but they do a mix of original like orchestrations with instruments, and then recutting found audio, and then they'll put lyrics over it. And they've been doing this since the late '70s. And in '91, they were sued by U2 for uh, essentially just making fun of U2. U2 the band Bono. Yeah. So like. Negative. Yeah, you two ne- sued another band. Yeah, you two. You two <laughs> sued Negative Land. So like Negative Land <laughs> put out an album where they had the cover of it, and they put out '91. The cover of it was the album was called "You" and the numeral two, and so it had a giant U and a giant two, and then flying through the center of the U and the two was a U two spy plane, and then underneath that it said "Negative Land" real small. So places like Tower Records and when record stores really mattered more, they did full window displays, thinking that they had the new U two album. <laughs> but then also featured on it was a song. Um, where they ha- someone had gotten them a ta- gotten them a recording of Casey Kasem just having a bad day in the studio and just losing it. And yeah, he's, he's, and, he and says, "Fuck you!" I, yeah, 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 yeah. He's like, "Who gives a shit about this band from England?" Even though they're not from England, but he says that. He's like, "What kind of fucking name is the Edge?" And he's just going on this whole like rant before he's supposed to dedicate the song. And so <laughs> they they use <laughs> um, they used part of "I Still Haven't Found What I'm Looking For," really? but then they changed the lyrics. Um, where that was part of where they got in trouble, even though it's pretty clear they're doing a parody song. Yeah. Um, and they still gave you two credit of the original, but apparently you can cover a song and you can do a parody song, but you're not allowed to change the lyrics really? if they believe that you're doing a new song. So it was more, it was more just like an, a bigger band throwing around their weight. Um, and so they were able to sue them. I wonder if you, Weird Al's ever done that. But it had a list of in the they changed the lyrics and they also they where they were saying lyrics of them saying uh, things that they can't find. It's actually still found I'm looking for, <laughs> and then they found found audio of people just not being able to find stuff and getting really discouraged. Really. And so then they did like this loop of like that, and so that became like a song, and they were on SST Records for a bit before really? they had a falling out with. Um, Greg Jinn um, and there's, no. yeah well and there's a song where they have where because he didn't like the fact that they put it they put out an album where they had a booklet that was um, just documenting their um, their court case they put out a, they put out, yeah they put out a book that had the documented the court case Jesus. and then they put an album with it about illegal art and copyright laws they made an album about copyright laws really? and then uh he was upset about that so then um i'm probably having some of the facts wrong but he was upset about that so they he was leaving them like answering machine messages and so then they used his answering machine messages as lyrics to a song where they played his answering machine messages where they just edited out his name and it's him threatening to sue them and then uh then in a really whiny voice they added in the chorus to gimme 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 oh, so yeah. that, that they could just mock him <sighs> 
That was pretty fun. <laughs> but um, but he'll be on the show. Mark Hostler. Wow. <laughs> so it'll be Joyce Brabner, Mark Hostler, and then Cass J. Snyder, who... So you have the widow of fucking Javi Peacock and a dude that's been sued by Bono on your show coming up. Yeah, yeah. So. Yeah, and um, but they'll be telling stories, and then Cass J. Snyder will be on that, who's who's amazing in her own right, but is uh, around my age. Um, and they've written a book called Fine Fine Music. They were in bands like Electric Bubble Bath and got to open for the Dwarves on like a small like tour and was a part of a... Without, I'm not really going to explain it, but they're part of like one of the versions of the Sister Spit tour, which like Michelle T and a bunch of other um, poets and writers are are over. And uh, then it'll be me, and then and then I have Rochelle Frazier acting as like the host. But then from there, me and Mark Hostler are going on a little bit of a mini tour where um, we're going to do Saint Vitus Bar really? on um, September 27th. But also on that, uh, that one, he'll do music on that one. So he'll be doing music on that one. And then I'll be um, Emily Panic, who's a great uh, comedian and musician. They'll be doing a set. Uh, Noni Brown West will be hosting it. And then also supporting us as like a second musical guest will be uh, Total Fucking Destruction, who you know. Yeah. Um, so it'll be a fun, interesting show. So like it'll be sandwiched by grindcore and weird noise collage music and then comedy and storytelling in the middle. And then um, from there, me and Mark go to the mus- the Philadelphia Mausoleum of Contemporary Art on September 28th. Uh, that sounds intimidating. So it'll be Jack the Stripper, me and him there. And then AS220, he's doing a music show that I won't be on. Um, on September 29th, um, where it'll be Mark Hostler, Mini Beast, which features members of Mission of Burma. Oh. So it'll be it'll be a fun little tour of mixed stuff. You got Jack the Stripper coming again? Who I was do. That all November about? 3rd. Are, are you familiar with them no, at all? No. So, uh, well, I put Jack the Stripper on there just because people know by that. But most of the times when I was doing when I when I did a thing with them before, I just put Jacqueline Francis just even though that's also still a stage name they have. That's not their real name. Uh, only because uh, I was afraid people would confuse it with burlesque. Okay. Because burlesque is way too popular. Oh, really? <laughs> um, well, in my opinion. Maybe it's not popular enough in other people's. <laughs> you but, want, um, you, yeah, you want it to be like but ja- easy. But Jacqueline Francis, it, um, they're a graphic novelist, stand-up comedian, and then it's not really a day job, but their, their job that pays most of their bills is stripping. Really? But um, but they're really interesting and it's more than one person. Well, they're only one person, but there'll be more than one person on that that show. I can't announce the rest of the lineup for that really? one yet. But I won't I won't be on that show. I'm just helping with making it happen. So Jack the Stripper, you refer to as they there. Uh, well, they're they're they go by a she. I just said okay. they because. I don't like repeating the same words, even though I was corrected. <laughs> I was corrected recently because someone was upset that I used they f- in a sentence talking past tense about someone who is cisgendered, but I had already previously in other sentences acknowledged their gender, so I didn't really, I didn't, I was like, well, yeah, quick. I don't know what's going on. I was like, on, technically, man. the way I used it isn't wrong. Yeah. No, I'm not but, saying you're wrong. But, I just said, I didn't know, you know. But they were, they were upset about that. No, um, no, as far as I as far as I know, they they go by female pronouns. There it is. But but no, I just. So is it going to be stripping or just comedy? 
It well, I mean, it's their show. I don't think they'll be stripping. Um, as far as I know, it'll be just comedy. But this is more their production. It'll be their Venus flytrap show. My goodness! But I can't um, announce the full lineup yet. But so I'm gonna... that'll be announced. But that'll be November third at Ralph's. Was that a Friday? Saturday? No, it's a Saturday. Wow! You get the primetime spots at Ralph's, the big stage. Just you got to deal with Steve. Gonna make sure those mics aren't hot and there's no feedback. No, no, I got I, too close to those monitors. No, I got that. Well, <laughs> n- not to not to shit on Steve. It really it really varies. <laughs> <laughs> we just had that, that circus over there, circus sideshow on last Thursday, and he had to fucking bury the. He had to take the monitors off the stage and put them underneath and shit. Oh, yeah. Man, that's a lot of work, Steve. Fuck. <laughs> yeah. That's cool. So you just got those, and like that's all else? I have coming up. Like soon, I mean, I might have something later with like Erica Rhodes coming up because we've been talking about trying to do a version of their Limelight show that they do out um, in LA, out here. But I don't know if that'll actually happen anytime this year. But it's, that's more of like a talk show setup. So it would be uh, me and her as the hosts, and then. Um, She's had people like, you know, Jonathan Katz, Dr. Katz fame as guests on there and members of Kids in the Hall and John Cryer and stuff like that. And then there's usually a band. Is Mac McKinney still doing, like, stand-up? Um, probably. Oh, that dude was brilliant, I thought. He was on, like, Saturday Night Live for, like, fucking two seasons. That was it. I don't know. I'd have to, we'd have, maybe we can dig. Did you give maybe. up on Saturday Night Live? Did you ever get into it? Um... It's always been hit or miss for me, and I always feel like when people talk about like the old days of SNL, they're lying to themselves and being like, oh, it was really funny and great then. It's always been hit or miss. Yeah. Um, I think there's been periods when there's been maybe like more like kind of people who like really shine on it, sure. but like overall, like it's always been hit or miss sketch wise. I like SC, I always liked SCTV better. Right. Um, and other than like some of their, if when you go, if you rewatch like how they deal with like race and some of it. Those are the ones that uh, all age poorly, but probably should have aged poorly right away then. Um, But overall, there's more like sketches that are still like legitimately funny or interesting. It's crazy though, because fucking it doesn't even play. Yeah, but it it probably had just as many people in its short life that all went on to be like big movie stars. Huge movie stars, way bigger than fucking. I mean, I don't think there's been like. in the past 20 years, it's been really good. And somebody said that, like, whatever Saturday Night Live you have in high school is supposed to be, like, your favorite lineup. Like, I, I guess, apparently, like, this yeah. is the one, like, you know the most. And yeah. I had a pretty good fucking lineup. I mean, Jim Brewer and Will Ferrell and fucking... I, don't know. I was more into Kids in the Hall. Yeah. I was more into Kids in the Hall and Mr. Show. Mr. Show's genius. Than, than I was into... SNL and then you know and I watched like In Living Color how do you feel about Jim Carrey I don't know I, I like some of the stuff he does other stuff I don't really care for but he's a talented guy I think he's phenomenal we watched that fucking um, Andy uh, Andy Coffin documentary he did. I just watched the pilot episode of or first episode of his new show Kindness Kindness that's it on Showtime yeah I was watching that Well I seen that I was watching the new Sasha Baron Cohen thing Which is fucking devastating <laughs> fucking. 
I haven't checked that out yet. The last like newish thing I watched was Henry Rollins special. Oh really? The Keep Talking Pal. I didn't. I haven't seen that. You fucking. That's another dude too. That's funny, but he's not trying to be funny. You know, like no. like monoliths and all that stuff you were referring to earlier. You know, like he doesn't even do. Sta- it's not even stand up. It's spoken word. Oh my God. Well, I think he isn't. He is trying to be funny. He just doesn't. Which he's even said this. Like he doesn't want the the pressure of having to be funny. If you were to label yourself sure. a comedian, yeah, because in the end, it's his rage which is fucking funny. It's you know, it's just how fucking fired up he gets, and you know, I don't know. It's interesting. So you feel good about this? Yeah, I feel all right about this. You feel good about everything? Well, I don't know about everything, but like this moment, I'm okay with. You're optimistic about the future. <laughs> you feel good? Sure. I feel all right. Good. We're, we're gonna you just, wrap. You just want everyone to leave on a positive note. <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna wrap things up. Where uh, where do we go? Follow everything. Uh, social media. Um, Twitter, Mr. Matthew Flynn. Instagram, Sad Clown Knitting. Knitting. Yeah. Um, that's pretty much it. I mean, there's the Thought Bomb with Matthew Flynn on Facebook, but those are pretty much the places. Right on. And what's the one, uh, the one saving grace, the one, one inspiring motherfucker we should all look into? Your closing, your closing words of influence. Uh, I don't know about any inspiring person that you should look into, but um, I'll list off a few people that are still doing stuff that people should check out. Um, Marina Franklin, who has a podcast called Friends Like Us. They're also at some point will have a new comedy special out called Single Black Female. Um, they're amazing and we're checking out, um, uh, I've been really getting into Stuart Lee's stuff lately. Stuart Lee's good. Um, uh, who else? Andrew uh, Dice Clay. Well, I don't, I don't Louis, know. Louis C.K., of course. <laughs> no. No? No. Oh, right. no. That's, I mean, if, if someone already, I think you probably already know about him if you yeah. Want to seek out Lucy K? Chip Chipperson. I'm a big fan of Chip Chipperson. Yeah. Like, and he, he's he's my hero lately. Uh, George Wallace. George Canadian. Wallace. Segregation uh, now, yeah, segregation yeah, forever. Yeah, yeah. yeah I'll, I'll, just, I'll just give those three names. <laughs> <laughs> Marina Franklin, George Wallace, and uh, Stuart Lee. Well, very good. All right. Well, Matthew, thank you for taking the time to sit down, have dinner with me tonight. Thanks for inviting me over. My pleasure. Happy to have you here and hope, looking forward to the next time and uh, looking forward to seeing you perform, dude. All right, cool. Cheers. Thank you.